all Vaishnava devotees of the Lord assembled here to hear Srimad Bhagavatam, welcome back to the daily readings of Srila Prabhupada's books right here in the Haven, which is located in Hythe, Kent, Southeast England, just a stone's throw from the English Channel. We're trying to continue uh, purifying the ether of this contaminated world right now by the constant hearing and chanting of Srila Prabhupada's books. Constant means 24-7, constant means regularly, constant means every day, according to Srila Prabhupada. So here we are. And Sanatana Goswami is going to do the inauguration of this tonight's reading, as we do every night, by reading Srimad Bhagavata Mahima Stotram, which defines the Bhagavatam and glorifies it appropriately. It goes like this. Sarva Shastrabdi Piyusha Sarva Vedaika Satpala Sarva Siddhanta Ratnaja Sarva Lokaika Drikprada O nectar from the ocean of all scriptures, singular fruit of all the Vedas, rich mine of the precious gems of all conclusive truths, you are the only giver of sight to all the worlds. Sarva Bhagavata Prana Srimad Bhagavata Prabho Kali Dwando Ditaditya Sri Krishna Parivartita O life heir of all the Supreme Lord's devotees, O Master Srimad Bhagavatam, you are the sun risen in the darkness of Kali. You are the exact image of Sri Krishna. Paramananda Pataya Prema Varshakshadayate Sarvada Sarvasevyaya Sri Krishnaya Namostume. I bow down to you who are supremely blissful to read. Your every syllable pours down a flood of prema. You can always be served by everyone. You are Sri Krishna Himself. Madeka Bando Matsangin Madguro Man Mahadana Manistadagamad Bhagya Mad Anandanamostute. My only friend, my constant companion, my spiritual master, my great wealth, my savior, my good fortune, my source of ecstasy, I bow down to you. Asadu Saduta Dayin Atini Chuchutakara Hanamunchagadachin Mam Premna Rit Ganta Yoksbuddha. O bestower of saintliness to the unsaintly, O exalter of the most fallen, please never leave me. Always appear in my heart and my voice with pure love. <clears throat> Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So we reach the second chapter of the fifth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, the activities of Maharaj Agnidra, one of the sons of Maharaj Priyavrata, beginning with text 7.
he's looking for a wife. And so Brahma sent him one. The prince mistakenly addressed the Apsara. O best of saintly persons, who are you? Why are you on this hill? And what do you want to do? Are you one of the illusory potencies of this Supreme Personality of Godhead? You seem to be carrying two bows without strings. What is the reason you carry these bows? Is it for some purpose of your own or for the sake of a friend? Perhaps you carry them to kill the mad animals in this forest. Purport. While undergoing severe penances in the forest, Agnidra was captivated by the movements of Purvachiti, the girl sent by Lord Brahma. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Kamais Taistair Ritigyana. When one becomes lusty, he loses his intelligence. Therefore, Agnidra, having lost his intelligence, could not distinguish whether Purvachiti was male or female. He mistook her for a Muniputra, the son of a saintly person in the forest, and addressed her as Munivarya. Because of her personal beauty, however, he could not believe her to be a boy. He therefore began studying her features. First he saw her two eyebrows, which were so expressive that he wondered whether, whether or not she might be the Maya of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The words used in this connection are Bhagavat Pada Devataya. Devata, the demigods, all belong to this material world, whereas Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, is always beyond this material world and is therefore known as Paradevata. The material world is certainly created by Maya, but it is created under the direction of Paradevata, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As confirmed in, the Bhagavad, in Bhagavad Gita, Maya Jakshena Prakriti Suyate Sachadacharam Maya is not the ultimate authority for the creation of this material world. Maya acts on behalf of Krishna. Purvachiti's eyebrows were so beautiful that Agnidra compared, compared them to bows without strings. He therefore asked her whether they were to be used for her own purposes or for the sake of someone else. Her eyebrows were like bows meant to kill animals in the forest. This material world is like a great forest and its inhabitants are like forest animals such as deer and tigers meant to be killed. The killers are the eyebrows of beautiful women. Captivated by the beauty of the fair sex, all the men of the world are killed by bows without strings but cannot see how they are killed by Maya. It is a fact, however, that they are being killed, Bhutva, Bhutva, Praliyate. 
by dint of his tapasya, Agnidra could understand how Maya acts under the direction of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The word pramatan is also significant. Pramata refers to one who cannot control his senses. The entire material world is being exploited by people who are pramata or vimudha. Prahlad Maharaj therefore said, They are rotting in material activities for transient material pleasure and spoiling their lives, toiling all day and night simply for sense gratification with no attachment for love of Godhead. I am simply lamenting for them and devising various plans to deliver them from the clutches of Maya. Bhagavatam 7, 9, 43 Karmis who act very seriously for sense gratification are always referred to in the Shastras by such terms as Pramata, Vimukha and Vimudha. They are killed by Maya. However, one who is apramata, a sane, sober person, a dira, knows very well that a human being's primary duty is to render service to the Supreme Person. Maya is always ready to kill those who are pramata with her invisible bows and arrows. Agnidra questioned Purvachiti about this. Text 8 <clears throat> then Agnidra observed the glancing eyes, eyes of Purvichiti and said my dear friend you have two very powerful arrows namely your glancing eyes those arrows have feathers like the petals of a lotus flower although they have no shafts they are very beautiful and they have very sharp piercing points. They appear very peaceful and thus it seems that they will not be shot at anyone. You must be loitering in this forest to shoot those arrows at someone but I cannot understand whom. My intelligence is dull and I, can't, I cannot combat you. Indeed, no one can equal you in prowess and therefore I pray that your prowess will be for my good fortune. Purport. Agnidra thus began appreciating Purvachiti's powerful glance upon him. He compared her glancing eyes to very sharp arrows. Although her eyes were as beautiful as lotuses, they were simultaneously like shaftless arrows, and Agnidra was therefore afraid of them. He hoped that her glances upon him would be favorable because he was already captivated and the more captivated he became, the more impossible it would be for him to remain without her. Agnidra therefore prayed to Purvichiti that her glances at him would be auspicious, not futile. In other words, he prayed that she would become his wife. Text 9 
seeing the bumblebees following Purvachiti, Maharaj Agnidra said, My dear Lord, the bumblebees surrounding your body are like disciples surrounding your worshipable self. They are incessantly chanting the mantras of the Samaveda and the Upanishads, thus offering prayers to you. Just as great sages resort to the branches of Vedic literatures, the bumblebees are enjoying the showers of flowers falling from your hair. Text 10 O Brahmana, I can simply hear the tinkling of your ankle bells. Within those bells, titiri birds, titiri birds seem to be chirping among themselves. Although I do not see their forms, I can hear how they are chirping. When I look at your beautiful circular hips, I see that they are the lovely color of kadamba flowers, and your waist is encircled by a belt of burning cinders. Indeed, you seem to have forgotten to dress yourself. Purport. With lusty desires to see Purvachiti, Agnidra especially gazed upon the girl's attractive hips and waist. When a man looks upon a woman with such lusty desires, he is captivated by her face, her breasts, and her waist. For a woman first attracts a man to fulfill his sexual desires by the beautiful features of her face, by the beautiful slope of her breasts, and also by her waist. Purvachiti was dressed in fine yellow silk, and therefore her, her hips looked like kadamba flowers. Because of her belt, her waist seemed to be encircled by burning cinders. She was fully dressed, but Agnidra had become so lusty that he asked, Why have you become naked? Text 11 Agnidra then praised Purvachiti's raised breasts. He said, My dear Brahmana, your waist is very thin, yet with great difficulty you are carrying two horns to which my eyes have been attracted. What is filling those two beautiful horns? <laughs> you seem to have spread fragrant red powder upon them, powder that is like the rising morning sun. O most fortunate one, I beg to inquire, where have you gotten this fragrant powder that is perfuming my ashram, my place of residence? Purport Agnidra appreciated Purvachiti's raised breasts. After seeing the girl's breasts, he became almost mad. Nevertheless, he could not recognize whether Purvachiti was a boy or a girl. For as a result of his austerity, he saw no stink so he sought no distinction between the two. He therefore addressed her with the word Dvija, O Brahmana. Yet why should a Dvija, a Brahmana boy, have horns on his chest? Because the boy's waist was thin, Agnigra thought he was carrying the horns with great difficulty, and therefore they must be filled with something very valuable. Otherwise, why would, why, why would he carry them? When a woman's waist is thin and her breasts are full, she looks very attractive. Agnidra, his eyes attracted, contemplated the heavy breast on the girl's thin body and imagined 
how her back must sustain them. Agnidra imagined that her raised breasts were two horns she had covered with cloth so that others would not see the valuables within them. Agnidra, however, was very anxious to see them. Therefore he requested, Please uncover them so that I can see what you are carrying. Rest assured that I shall not take it away. If you feel an inconvenience in removing the covering, I can help you. I myself can uncover them to see what valuable things those raised horns contain. He was also surprised to see the red dust of perfumed kumkum spread over her breasts. Nevertheless, still considering Purvichiti a boy, Agnidra addressed her as Subhaga, most, most fortunate Muni. The boy must have been fortunate otherwise. How simply by standing there could he perfume Agnidra's entire ashram? Text 12 O best friend, will you kindly show me the place where you reside? I cannot imagine how the residents of that place have gotten such wonderful bodily features as your raised breasts which agitate the mind and eyes of a person like me who sees them. Judging by the sweet speech and kind smiles of those residents, I think that their mouths must contain nectar. Purport Still bewildered, Agnidra wanted to see the place from which the Brahmana boy had come, where the men had such raised breasts. Such attractive features, he thought, must be due to the severe austerities performed there. Agnidra addressed the girl as Suritama, the best friend, so that she would not refuse to take him there. Not only was Agnidra captivated by the girl's raised breasts, he was also attracted by her sweet speech. Nectar seemed to emanate from her mouth, and therefore he was increasingly surprised. Text 13 My dear friend, what do you eat to maintain your body? Because you are chewing betel, a pleasing scent is emanating from your mouth. This proves that you always eat the remnants of food offered to Vishnu. Indeed, you must also be an expansion of Lord Vishnu's body. Your face is as beautiful as a pleasing lake. Your jeweled earrings resemble two brilliant sharks with unblinking eyes like those of Vishnu. And your own eyes resemble two restless fish. Simultaneously, therefore, two sharks and two restless fish are swimming in the lake of your face. Besides them, the wide white rows of your teeth seem like rows of very beautiful swans in the water, and your scattered hair resembles swarms of bumblebees following the beauty of your face. Purport The devotees of Lord Vishnu are also his expansions. They are called Vibhinangsha. Lord Vishnu is offered all kinds of sacrificial ingredients and because devotees 
always eat prasad, the remnants of his food, the scent of sacrificial ingredients emanates not only from Vishnu, but also from the devotees who eat the remnants of his food or the food of his devotees. Agnigdra considered Purvachitti an expansion of Lord Vishnu because of the pleasing scent of her body. Aside from that, because of her jeweled earrings shaped like sharks, because of her scattered hair resembling bumblebees mad after the scent of her body, and because of the white rose of her teeth which resembled swans, Agnidra compared Purvichiti's face to a beautiful lake decorated with lotus flowers, fish, swans, and bumblebees. Text 14 My mind is always restless, and by playing with a ball, moving it all about with your lotus-like palm, you are also agitating my eyes. Your curling black hair is now scattered, but you are not attentive to arranging it. Are you not going to arrange it? Like a man attached to women, a most cunning wind is trying to take off your lower garment. Are you not mindful of it? Purport. <laughs> the girl Purvachiti was playing with a ball in her hand, and the ball seemed like nothing but another lotus flower captured by her lotus-like palm. Because of her movements, her hair was loose and the belt holding her cloth was giving way as if the cunning wind were trying to make her naked. Yet she paid no attention to arranging her hair or fixing her dress. As Agnidra tried to see the girl's naked beauty, his eyes were very agitated by her movements. Text 15 O oh, best among those performing austerities, where did you get this wonderful beauty that dismantles the austerities performed by others? Where have you learned this art? What austerity have you undergone to achieve this beauty, my dear friend? I desire that you join me to perform austerity and penance, for it may be that the creator of the universe, Lord Brahma, being pleased with me, has sent you to become my wife. Purport. Agnidra appreciated the wonderful beauty of Purvachiti. Indeed, he was surprised to see such exceptional beauty, which must have been the result of past austerities and penances. He therefore asked the girl whether she had achieved such beauty just to break the penances and austerities of others. He thought that Lord Brahma, the creator of the universe, might have been pleased with him and might therefore have sent her to become his wife. He requested Purvachiti to become his wife so that together they could perform austerities and penances in family life. In other words, a suitable wife helps her husband perform penances and austerities in household life if both of them are on the same elevated platform of spiritual understanding. Without spiritual understanding, husband and wife cannot be equally 
situated. Lord Brahma, the creator of the universe, is interested in good progeny. Therefore, unless he is pleased, one cannot get a beautiful wife, a suitable wife. In fact, Lord Brahma is worshipped in marriage ceremonies. In India, even today, wedding invitations are still issued with a picture of Lord Brahma on the face of the card. Text 16 Lord Brahma, who is worshipped by the Brahmanas, has very mercifully given you to me, and that is why I have met you. I do not want to give up your company, for my mind and eyes are fixed upon you and cannot be drawn away. O woman of be with beautiful raised breasts, I am your follower. You may take me wherever you like, and your friends may also follow me. Purport. Now, Agnidra frankly admits his weakness. He was attracted to Purvachiti, and therefore, before she could say, but I have no business with you, he expressed his desire to be united with her. He was so attracted that he was ready to go anywhere, hell or heaven, in her company. When one is absorbed in lust, in the influence of sex, one surrenders to the feet of a woman without reservations. Srila Madhvacharya remarks in this condition, connection that when one engages in joking and talking like a crazy person, one may say anything and everything, but his words will be meaningless. Text 17 Shukadev Goswami continued, Maharaj Agnidra, whose intelligence was like that of a demigod, knew the art of flattering women to win them to his side. He therefore pleased that celestial girl with his lusty words and gained her favor. Purport Since King Agnidra was a devotee, he actually had no attraction for material enjoyment. But because he wanted a wife for progeny and Lord Brahma had sent Purvachiti for this purpose, he expertly pleased her with flattering words. Women are attracted by a man's flattering words. One who is expert in this art of flattery is called Vidagda. Text 18 Attracted by the intelligence, learning, youth, beauty, behavior, opulence, and magnanimity of Agnigdra, the king of Jambudweep and master of all heroes. Purvachiti lived with him for many thousands of years and luxuriously enjoyed both worldly and heavenly happiness. Purport By the grace of Lord Brahma, King Agnidra and the heavenly girl Purvachiti found their union quite suitable. Thus they enjoyed worldly and heavenly happiness for many thousands of years. Text 19 In the womb of Purvachiti, Maharaj Agnidra, the best of kings, begot nine sons named Nabi, 
Kimpurusha, Harivarsha, Ilavrita, Samyaka, Hiranmaya, Kuru, Badrashwa, and Ketumala. Text 20 Purvachiti gave birth to these nine sons, one each year. But after they grew up, she left them at home and again approached Lord Brahma to worship Him. Purport There are many instances in which apsaras, heavenly angels, have descended to this earth by the order of a superior demigod like Lord Brahma or Lord Indra, have followed the demigod's order by marrying someone and giving birth to children and then and have then returned to their celestial homes. For example, after Menaka, the celestial woman who had come to delude Vishwamrita Muni gave birth to the child Shakuntala, she left both the child and her husband and returned turned to the heavenly planets. Purvichiti did not remain permanently with Maharaj Agnidra. After cooperating in his household affairs, she left Maharaj Agnidra and all nine sons and returned to Brahma to worship him. Text 21 Because of drinking the breast milk of their mother, the nine sons of Agnidra naturally had strong, well-built bodies. Their father gave them such a kingdom in, in a different... The, the father gave, gave them each a kingdom in a different part of Jambudweep. The kingdoms were named according to the names of the sons. Thus, the sons of Agnidra ruled the kingdoms they received from their father. Purport The Acharyas specifically mention that in this verse the words Matu Anugrahati No, excuse me. The Acharyas specifically mention that in this verse the words Matu Anugrahat by the mercy of their mother refer to the breast milk of their mother. In India, it is, it is a common belief that if a baby is fed his mother's milk for at least six months, his body will be very strong. Besides that, it is mentioned herein that all the sons of Magnidra were endowed with the nature of their mother. Bhagavad Gita 140 also declares, Strishu, Dushtashu, Varshneya, Jayate, Varnasankaraha. When women are polluted, varnasankara, unqualified children, are generated. And when the varnasankara population increases, the entire world becomes hellish. Therefore, according to Manusangita, a woman needs a great deal of protection in order to remain pure and chaste so that her children can be can be fully engaged for the benefit of human society. Text 22 After Purvachiti's departure, King Agnidra, his lusty desires not at all satisfied, always 
thought of her. Therefore, in accordance with the Vedic injunctions, the king, after his death, was promoted to the same planet as his celestial wife. That planet, which is called Pitriloka, is where the Pitas, or forefathers, live in great delight. Purport. If one always thinks of something, he certainly gets a related body after death. Maharaja Agnidra was always thinking of Pitriloka, the place where his wife had returned. Therefore, after his death, he achieved that same planet, probably to live with her again. Bhagavad Gita also says, Yang Yang Bapis Maran Bhavam Chajajante Kalevaram Tang Tam Evaiti Konteya Sada Tad Bhavitaha Whatever state of being one remembers when he quits his body, that state he will attain without fail. Bhagavad Gita 8.6 We can naturally conclude that if we always think of Krishna or become fully Krishna conscious, we can be promoted to the planet of Goloka Vrindavan, where Krishna eternally where Krishna eternally lives. Text twenty three. After the departure of their father, the nine brothers married the nine daughters of Meru, named Merudevi, Patirupa, Ugradangstri, Lata, Ramya, Shama, Nari, Bhadra and Devaviti. Thus end the Bhaktivedanta purports of the fifth canto, second chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam entitled The Activities of Maharaj Agnidra. All glories to Agnidra Maharaj and Purvachiti who produced the kings of the planets of the of the different divisions of Bhumandala, Hare Krishna. All right. Chapter three. Rishabhadev's appearance in the womb of Merudevi, the wife of King Nabi. In this chapter, the spotless character of King Nabi, the oldest son of Agnidra is described. <clears throat> Wanting to have sons, Maharaj Nabi underwent severe austerities and penances. He performed many sacrifices along with his wife and worshipped Lord Vishnu, the master of all sacrifices. Being very kind to his devotees, the Supreme Personality of Godhead was very pleased with the austerities of Maharaj Nabi. He personally appeared before the king in his four-handed feature and the priests who were performing the sacrifices began to offer their prayers unto him. They prayed for his son, like the Lord, and Lord Vishnu agreed to take birth from the womb of Merudevi, the wife 
of King Nabi and, and incarnate as King Rishabhadev. Text 1. Shukadev Goswami continued to speak. Maharaj Nabi, the son of Agnidra, wished to have sons, and therefore he attentively began to offer prayers and worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Vishnu, the master and enjoyer of all sacrifices. Maharaj Nabi's wife, Meru Devi, who had not given birth to any children at that time, also worshipped Lord Vishnu along with her husband. Text 2 In the performance of a sacrifice, there are seven transcendental means to obtain the mercy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. One, by sacrificing valuable things or eatables. Two, by acting in terms of place. Three, by acting in terms of time. Four, by offering hymns. Five, by going through the priest. Six, by offering gifts to the priests. And seven, by observing the regulative principles. However, one cannot always obtain the Supreme Lord through this paraphernalia. Nonetheless, the Lord is affectionate to His devotee. Therefore, when Maharaj Nabi, who was a devotee, worshipped and offered prayers to the Lord with great faith and devotion and with a pure, uncontaminated mind, superficially performing some yagya in the line of pravargya, the kind, the kind Supreme Personality of Godhead, due to his affection for his devotees, appeared before King Nabi in his uncomparable and captivating form with four hands. That's quite a sentence. In this way, to fulfill the desire of his devotee, the Supreme Personality of Godhead manifested himself in his beautiful body before his devotee. This body pleases the mind and eyes of the devotees. Purport In Bhagavad Gita, it is clearly said, Bhaktya Mam Abhijanati Yavanyas Chasmi Tatpataha Tatomam Tatpato Yatva Vishate Tadanantaram One can understand the Supreme Personality as He is only by devotional service. And when one is in full consciousness of the Supreme Lord by such devotion, He can enter into the Kingdom of God. Bhagavad Gita 1.18.55 One can understand and see the Supreme Personality of Godhead through the process of devotional service and not in any other way. Although Maharaj Nabi performed prescribed duties and sacrifices, it should still be considered that the Lord appeared before him not due to his sacrifices but because of his devotional service. It was for this reason that the Lord agreed to appear before him in his beautiful bodily features. As stated in Brahma Sanghita, 
5.30 The Supreme Lord in His original nature is very beautiful. Venum konantam aravinda dalaya taksham barhabatangsam acitam buddhasundarangam The Supreme Personality of Godhead, although blackish, is very, very beautiful. Text 3 Lord Vishnu appeared before King Nabi with four arms. He was very bright and he appeared to be the best of all personalities. Around the lower portion of his body he wore a yellow silken garment. On his chest was the mark of Srivats, which always displays beauty. He carried a conch shell, lotus flower, disc and club and he wore a garland of forest flowers and the Kaustuva gem. He was beautifully decorated with a helmet, earrings, bangles, belt, pearl necklace, armlets, ankle bells and other bodily ornaments bedecked with radiant jewels. Seeing the Lord present before them, King Nabi and his priests and associates felt just like poor people who have suddenly attained great riches. They received the Lord and respectfully bent their heads and offered Him things in worship. Purport It is distinctly mentioned here that the Supreme Personality of Godhead did not appear as an ordinary human being. He appeared before King Nabi and his associates as the best of all personalities, Purushottama. As stated in the Vedas, Nityo Nityanam Chaitanas Chaitananam Kata Upanishad 2.2.13 The Supreme Personality of Godhead is also a living being, but He is the Supreme Living Being. In Bhagavad Gita 7.7 7, Lord Krishna Himself says, Mattak paradhanam nanyat kinchidasti dananjaya. O conqueror of wealth, Arjuna, there is no truth superior to me. No one is more attractive or more authoritative than Lord Krishna. That is one of the differences between God and an ordinary living being. According to this description of the transcendental body of Lord Vishnu, the Lord can easily be distinguished from all other living beings. Consequently, Maharaj Nabi and his priests and associates all offered the Lord obeisances and began to worship Him with various things. As stated in Bhagavad Gita 6.22, Yam labdva chaparam labam manyate nadikam tataha That is, Upon gaining this, one thinks there is no greater gain. When one realizes God and sees the Lord face to face, one certainly thinks that He has gained the best of all things. Raso pyasya param drishtva nivartate Bhagavad Gita 2.59 When one experiences a higher taste, his consciousness 
is fixed. After seeing the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one ceases to be attracted by anything material. One then remains steady in his worship of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And that brings us almost to 745 to 744 to be exact. So I'm going to stop the reading tonight and we'll start tomorrow at text 4 and 5. Hare Krishna. And in the meantime, we will patiently wait for the reflections of the assembled sages. Hare Krishna. Hare Bo. They're just a few stickers. One by Thank you, devotees, for all the stickers. Rani Fatai. Rani Fatai. Mm, who else? Parmananda Prabhu. Parmananda. Oh, now we have Sudevi Dasi. She says, Hare Krishna Maharaj. Sudevi Dasi, Hare Krishna to you too. Gopakanya Devi Dasi says, Jai Maharaj, Hare Krishna, all glories to Srila Prabhupada and Srimad Bhagavatam. Yes, Gopikanya Devi Dasi, Hare Krishna, thank you for your solid attachment to hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. Thank you very much. That includes cheers to all assembled devotees. Hare Bhav. Raikanu Devi Dasi also sends a sticker. Yes, Raikanu, thanks for the sticker. Rati Manjari says Jai Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna Rati Hari Bo. Nothing else so far. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. Hare Hare. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama. Subarao Rajagopal. Yes, Subarao, we were just been patiently waiting for you. Hare Krishna Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances and all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you for your broadcasting the Transcendental Shabda Brahman. Daily readings, Kijai. Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. Madanadaha Das. Yes, Madanadaha. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept our humble obeisances. Jai Ho. Sarva Mangala Devi Dasi and I. Hare Krishna. Sarva Mangala also. Hare Krishna. It's very nice to hear, to to hear your, your messages, uh, during the daily readings. Thank you so much. Rati says, "Dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. All glories to Srila Prabhupada." Rati, I am on my bike returning from the Sunday feast. 
just he just hearing for now. <laughs> Thank you very much. That uh, touches my heart deeply. Amiyatma Das. Amiyatma. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you. Every syllable of the Bhagavatam is giving Krishna prema. However, some of the descriptions we were hearing seem to be describing about mundane attraction. Can you please reconcile? Yes. The Bhagavatam describes how to become attracted to Krishna. And everything in it, every word, takes you there. And But two things have to be learned. What to do and what not to do. So therefore there are things in the Bhagavatam that you shouldn't do. But they teach how to go to Krishna each time and every time. And because the whole thing is a literary incarnation of Krishna, it always takes us to Krishna, especially if we're in the right mentality. And also, if you, if you hear how pitifully, you know, Maharaja Nidra was being attracted by the form of a woman, it's embarrassing actually for a man to become so controlled by a woman. It's, it's embarrassing. And therefore, there's some a little tinge of sarcasm there as well. Hare Krishna. But all taking us to Krishna. Rohini Nandana Das. Yes, Rohini Nandana. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Thank you so much for another reading. We are listening together with Bhakta Charlie. Oh, how do you go back to Charlie? Haven't I heard from you for some time? The Bhagavatam doesn't mince its words when describing the nature of the material attraction between man and woman. Yes. When it comes to devotees, to what extent, if any, is a physical attraction between a couple allowed if they wish to do everything properly? Your servant. Well, you can't stop the male and female forms from being attracted to one another. Therefore, it's regulated. If we follow the instructions of the Vedas, and our spiritual masters, then we become a participant in making human society peaceful to be able to think of Krishna and serve Krishna. The Varnashram system, the Daivi Varnashram system, is meant to create a peaceful condition in the world so that people can become attracted to devotional service and ultimately to Krishna. That's the reason for these things. But, but as Prabhupada would, would often say, even in the Gita, in his purports, the, the, the attraction for family is natural. You can't stop it. But if you see all of the members of your family as devotees of Krishna, then you become purified by that attachment. But if you don't, then you become degraded and you are in danger. Trayate mahato bayat. That's trayate mahato bayat. That danger, that biggest danger, is that you'll end up in a male or female body of another species than the human species. And then you'll have no chance for a long, long time 
to take up devotional service and be eligible to go back to the spiritual world. Hare Krishna. One from Vilas Manjari, Nasi. Yes, Vilas Manjari, Hare Krishna. Dear Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances. I found it interesting how although Maharaj Agnidra was captivated by Purvachiti's beauty, he was also aware that he was being captivated, and this must be the plan of Lord Brahma, being pleased with him and giving him what he needed for his service in producing good progeny. It seems like he was not falling <coughs> down from his austerities, but progressing on his path. Is that correct? Yes. But at the same time, uh, he was he was overly attached, infatuated. Both things are going on at the same time. In, in order to understand the scriptures, we have to be able to think laterally. In the, in the West, we're trained to think linear, linearly. You know, something is either this or that. It's black and white. It's that or good. But, but sometimes in devotional thinking, you can see uh, seemingly uh, contradictory things to be true at the same time. That intelligence is given to us by sincere hearing of the Bhagavatam. We get everything by attentively hearing the Bhagavatam. Full knowledge, full vision. It's so nice. It's so nice. Rati Manjuri. Yes, Rati. He says, I find it embarrassing even to hear about these stories of mutual attraction in the Bhagavatam. I am not very good at it. <laughs> Hare Krishna. Well, Rati, you just keep going out and leading kirtans like you do and everything will be just fine. That's the truth. All right, I thank you very much and for your cooperation too because I really would like and need to stop at 8 o'clock and we've made it again. So thank you so much. Wait, we have one more. Vilas Manjari again? Yes, Vilas Manjari. Ma Maharaj, could you comment on why the female residents of the heavenly planets have sometimes come to marry a resident of earth and then they leave with apparently complete detachment for their earthly children and husband? It seems contrary to female nature. Well, in heaven, there's different uh, forms of morality. You remember when Arjuna accompanied Krishna to the heavenly planets and met his, uh, his father, uh, Indra, Dharmaraj, and during that time, and I don't remember her name actually. Urvashi? Maybe it was Urvashi. Yeah, I think it was Urvashi. 
met uh, Arjuna and he was, she was very attracted to him and she proposed an intimate uh, connection and he looked at her feet and he said, no, no, you, you're my mother. You are with Indra. So I can't. He said, no, no, you don't understand. This is heaven. And you know, there, there's no sin in doing something like this. It's different than on earth. You don't have to worry about that. And he said, no, I can't. You're my mother. And then she cursed him. You're going to become a eunuch for one year. And then in the last year of the exile, he had to become a eunuch and teach dancing to girls in the court of Virabhaha. Uh, I can't remember his name. Or Krishna. Anyway. Our Acharyas talk about how sometimes Krishna would chide Arjuna. You know, if you're not going to fight, what do you want to do? Become a eunuch again? <laughs> Hare Krishna. So these these exchanges, funny exchanges, sarcastic exchanges, they're all a part of life. And devotional service doesn't mean death, it means life. And life means variety. And that pleases Krishna. Rati says, thank you. Kirtan is sure my relief. Or is, is sure relief. Absolutely. And thank you for sending these clips that you sent to me uh, so I can live vicariously in these kirtans because I can no longer dance and chant like I used to because of my old body. <laughs> so when I see your kirtans, I, I go there in my mind and I chant and dance. Hare Krishna, thank you very much. All right, again, thank you. Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai. Samabeda Bhakti Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Prem Anandi Hari Hari Bo. So, see you tomorrow night, same time, same place, same topic, as we hear about the sons of Maharaj Priyavrata and their uh, exploits. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow. <laughs>